I had to push back against overreach in the Bush administration, in the Obama administration, and I think it would be fair to say I'm going to be no less busy during the Trump administration. Get ready to nerd out nonpartisan style, friends. We've recruited a senator to give you a primer on the biggest privacy issues facing U.S. lawmakers right now. Ron Wyden, one of Oregon's United States senators. We are in Washington, D.C. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. And note to self, the rules around the internet and our devices are just getting decided. Before they're written down for the ages, we better have some big debates over what we think will be best for us as individuals and as a democracy. And the key figure on Capitol Hill leading the discussion, Senator Ron Wyden. He sat down on his couch in his office just after the Supreme Court announced it will hear a major cell phone privacy case. And just before the senator was due to join his colleagues on the Senate Intelligence Committee for a little chat with former FBI Director James Comey. Mr. Comey, welcome. You and I have had significant policy differences over the years, particularly protecting Americans' access to secure encryption. But I believe the timing of your firing stinks. And of course, not long after that hearing, Senator Wyden and his colleagues had another little get-together on Capitol Hill, this time with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Things got a little testier. I want to ask you just point blank, why did you sign the letter recommending the fire of firing of Director Comey when it violated your recusal? It did not violate my recusal. It did not violate my recusal. Uh, that would be the answer to that. And the letter that I signed represented my views that had been uh, uh, formulated for some time. Mr. Chairman, just so if I can finish, that answer, in my view, doesn't pass the smell test. Okay, maybe that part wasn't totally nonpartisan, but this part is. Because really, who would have thought that millions of Americans would tune in to hear about cybersecurity and Russian hackers and surveillance? If there is one good thing that comes out of all the divisiveness around the last U.S. election, it's that we're all more aware of these big issues. Ron Wyden? He was way ahead of most of us. He has been the go-to lawmaker for issues about privacy and cybersecurity since he decided his home state of Oregon needed to diversify its economy to go from making money off timber to technology. So, Senator Wyden, you have really become the go-to senator for issues about privacy and cybersecurity and a lot of these nerdy topics. How did this happen? Was this something that you were always interested in or was there a moment where you kind of felt that this needed to be something that you engaged with? When I came to the Senate, it was pretty clear that virtually nobody knew how to use a computer and I used to laugh about it. And this was back when the leader of the committee that had jurisdiction over technology issues had described the internet as a series of tubes which caused the late-night talk show host to have a real field day with the Senate. And I made the judgment that my state, which had always focused on wood products, we needed to find a way to get into new areas. And so as I began to look into this, I was struck by the fact that if you bought a newspaper 
online, you paid a tax. But if you bought the snail mail edition, you didn't pay a tax. I said, that's discriminatory. So with a congressman from California, Chris Cox, I wrote the Internet Tax Freedom Bill, which is really the Internet Non-Discrimination Act, which means that you have to do for people who are online the same thing that you do for people who are offline. And that's what Senator Wyden continues to do, carefully question whether our rights are being stepped on online. His latest bone to pick is called Rule 41. This is a dull and innocuous-sounding name for a law that got passed in December. And basically, it lets the federal government hack any computer anywhere in the world with a single search warrant, meaning lots of innocent people's information could get swept up in investigations. And so I have introduced the Stopping Mass Hacking Act. I mean, there might be people who are like, what? I I kind of assume that the FBI is hacking all of us, aren't they? Why is this a big deal? And why do we need to start knowing more specifically what the government can and can't do when it comes to all the communications we do online? This is a big deal because this is a dramatic expansion. And I think what listeners... I believe, assume is that there are some sideboards. There are some protections. There is a real Fourth Amendment, you know, process, a warrant process. And if you let one judge with one warrant basically authorize the government to hack into what could be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of computers, I don't think that's in line with what listeners think constitutes a reasonable use of government power. You're on the Senate Intelligence Committee. You were the person who famously in 2013 looked at the director of national intelligence and asked him specifically, Does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? And he looked at you and said no. No, sir. It does not. Not wittingly. But I got the sense that you knew otherwise. What was going through your mind? It took me about six months to prepare to ask that question because that hadn't been asked before. We probably only get, as a senator, 45 minutes a year to ask questions in open hearings. And so I spent a lot of time on that because over a period of one and a half, two years, What I saw was the intelligence leadership was saying one thing in public, and it was very different than what was going on in private. For example, if you read the Patriot Act, you didn't really know that the government had gone to a secret court to get through a secret process the ability to collect millions and millions of phone records on law-abiding people. Over time, the intelligence leadership kept stretching and stretching the truth. And Keith Alexander, who at that time was the head of the NSA, at one point said, we don't hold data on U.S. citizens. And I turned to my staff and I said, that's one of the most false statements ever made about American intelligence. And so we decided then that we had to find a way to address this. So over time, we sent letters to the intelligence community, but we never could get an answer. So 
in 2013, when Mr. Clapper was there for an open hearing, I sent him the question ahead of time because this had gone on for so long and I'd sent so many letters and we'd been stonewalled so often. Mr. Clapper did not object. So I asked the question. The answer was obviously false. Manoush in the studio here. Just a quick footnote. Edward Snowden has said he was watching those hearings live, and that very moment was when he decided to leak those NSA documents. Okay, back to the senator. It was untrue. And what was particularly troubling is afterwards, we told him this was untrue. You've got to correct it for the record. And he was unwilling to do that. And since then has given five different answers trying to justify What he said, my favorite one was when he said it was the least, most untruthful answer (laughs) that he could give the American people. I just feel really strongly that when intelligence officials are speaking in public, they shouldn't be misleading the American people. Ah, yes. Gotta love those testimonies on Capitol Hill, right? Okay, in a minute, more from Senator Ron Wyden why he wants to know how many Americans exactly have had their communications swept up under another important law with an unfortunately mind-numbing name, Section 702 of the FISA law. Sounds dull, but boy, will you sound smarty pants at the next dinner party you go to. It's Note to Self. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and you're hearing my conversation with Senator Ron Wyden. He's on the Senate Intelligence Committee. He's very tall and very into making sure Americans maintain their right to privacy online. Yeah, I want to ask you now then about the FISA law, Section 702 of the FISA law. Again, another phrase that makes people's eyes just glaze over and yet is incredibly important because it is expiring at the end of this year. This is important because the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act is supposed to look at essentially foreign threats and people that we as Americans should be concerned about. Under Section 702, the government is only allowed to collect the communications of foreign nationals overseas. But let's say that person is talking to or emailing with an American. Well, then the American's communications could get collected too, and then maybe also investigated. 702 is supposed to expire at the end of the year, but the government wants it to be renewed. The government also refuses to say how many Americans' communications it's collected so far, by accident or not by accident, with Section 702. Although Senator Wyden has been asking for that number for years now. What has happened is law-abiding Americans get swept up in the searches, and there have been real abuses. We've got to find a way, again, to show that liberty and security are not mutually exclusive, that there are real threats from foreign targets, and that we don't want law-abiding Americans to just have their data indiscriminately examined. And towards Can I just ask, though, I mean, there is a possibility, maybe, just to play devil's advocate, that by using this, we could figure out whether Americans were involved with the Russians meddling with our elections last year. 
the issue of looking at foreign targets who could be a threat is something I support. And I've made that clear from day one. I say it in practically every single sentence. What I'm concerned about, because that's a security issue, is that we not sacrifice the liberty side of the equation. And many technologists feel that the number of law-abiding people getting swept up in these searches is growing, and we can't get them to tell us how many people, law-abiding Americans, are getting swept up in these searches. So how do we also make sure that the liberty interests of law-abiding Americans are not thrown overboard? Were you happy to hear that the Supreme Court is going to take on a case about whether or not Americans' right to privacy extends to their cell phones? Very much so. Digital is different. It's just plain old different. That's why we say when someone is arrested, they don't automatically have to cough up their cell phone because that would be an overreach as it relates to uh, examining their private lives. We've been talking about intelligence. I also want to ask you about the consumer side of this. Internet providers can now look at our browser history. Is there... Looking at people's browsing history is the most intimate periscope into people's lives that I can think of. It makes metadata look like small potatoes. And when we were having this vote in the Senate to essentially change the law and let the internet service providers sell, you know, browsing history to advertisers with virtually no real privacy checks, I said to a few senators, I'm not sure you folks want people knowing about your browsing history. And there were a few senators who swallowed pretty hard when I said that. Well, with all due respect, sir, why isn't Congress doing more than to protect our personal information? We're now in the middle because I was on the floor with my colleagues again and again over the last year or so talking about just this. And I think as people become aware of this, we'll see more success. And that's not necessarily wishful thinking. In 2012, millions of regular people protested two proposed bills, SOPA and PIPA. Those would have gone after online piracy, and many people thought would have given the government censorship power over websites. Four days before that vote, 15 million Americans called, texted, tweeted, snail mail, you name it. And two days later, the Senate leadership, not very happily, called me and said, you won. The grassroots had won a victory for the ages, and I think we'll see other grassroots victories. We've got net neutrality coming up. We're trying to push back on this whole issue that you mentioned with respect to some people's browsing history. We're going to try and stop mass hacking. We've got Section 702 um, coming up. I had to push back against overreach in the Bush administration, in the Obama administration, and I think it would be fair to say I'm going to be no less busy during the Trump administration. Senator Ron Wyden, thank you so, so very much for your time. Let's do it again. Thanks. Okay. The issue that Senator Wyden was referring to, net neutrality. God, why do all these issues have such boring names? Anyway, the new head of the FCC wants to let Internet companies charge different people more for different Internet access or speeds. 
And there's actually a big protest against that going on right now. In fact, an online day of action is coming on July 12th. Amazon, Mozilla, Kickstarter, Reddit, our friends at the World Wide Web Foundation, they all want to block what they say would give big cable companies control over what we see and do online. John Oliver did an awesome bit on net neutrality recently. Let me explain. And unfortunately, to do that, I have to introduce you to two terms even more boring than net neutrality, specifically Title I and Title II of the Communications Act of 1934, the equivalent of chasing an Ambien with a shot of chloroform. We'll link to that and all sorts of other politically nerdy, internet-y things that we've hopefully piqued your interest in or added to your knowledge about in our weekly newsletter and online at notetoselfradio.org. Did you know that tens of thousands of people subscribe to our newsletter, by the way? It is smart and funny, just like you. So subscribe, and that link is on our website too. And honestly, just to be clear, like all these details and rules and acts just come down to one single word. Democracy. And how we want to define it digitally. So it's important. but my brain hurts now and I need to go. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Megan Kunane, and Joe Plord. Many, many thanks to Matt Boynton for his help this week, too. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and thank you, as always, for listening. Covered a lot of ground. We sure did. We, we zoomed. I'm sorry for the bad no, manners. I totally understand. You are, it's a crazy week. Hashtag Comey. Hashtag Comey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.